welcome to Healing Through Hair Loss, the podcast where we talk about the roller coaster ride of hair loss and our healing journey. If you or someone you love is dealing with hair loss, please subscribe to this podcast. The goal of this podcast is to be a voice of support to people dealing with hair loss due to alopecia. Hey there, this is Cindy Buchanan with Healing Through Hair Loss podcast. Today, I am doing my first ever interview podcast with a new alopecia friend of mine, Erica Olinsky-Johansson. Erica and I just met this week, and I'm not going to go into too much of how we met because I want to have that as part of our interview. So Erica, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, first of all, um, so much for having me a part of um, the conversation this morning. It's always so exciting and energizing to meet somebody that shares a life experience, especially something as profound as alopecia, um, because it is so defining of kind of who we are and our sense of identity, which we can talk a little bit more about later. Um, I, you know, I work um, as a strategic communications um, strategist for a lot of different companies, but mostly in the healthcare space. Um, so I'm no stranger to kind of conversations around patient engagement and patient empowerment. Um, and in my personal story to caregiver advocacy as well. Okay. Okay. Well, that's actually a really interesting um, perspective to alopecia because a big part of it is, you know, patient advocacy and, um, you know, the mystery that comes with having an autoimmune disease that there's really no known cure for. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so fascinating to me. I think, you know, trying to even go through the diagnostic process for something like alopecia. Um, I don't think I've actually received a formal diagnosis of it, but I've clearly have alopecia universalis, um, you know, but like a lot of other autoimmune conditions, we're really unsure about the root cause of them. Um, and what we see more often than not is just kind of the symptomatic presence of an autoimmune issue, um, which can come out as a lot of different flavors, like, you know, other autoimmune conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, eczema. Um, you know, there's so many, so many um, that people experience and are challenged by daily. Absolutely. Gosh, yeah. That, that's one of the things that, um, that my doctor told me when I was first diagnosed with alopecia is they actually checked me for other autoimmune conditions. They ran an ANA panel to see if I had anything because she said that a lot of times that you have uh, other autoimmune conditions that kind of fight with each other and work hand in hand. And, you know, in my, in my case, they couldn't find anything. It's just alopecia for me. Did they find anything else for you? Yeah, so they, um, I never had a formal panel done necessarily, but as a kid, I had asthma and eczema. Those were two pretty prominent experiences in my childhood. Um, so I always kind of had like kind of this skin, skin dynamic, I guess. Um, and then obviously lungs with asthma. Um, and then the alopecia really didn't show up until middle school, kind of that age for me. Um, but it was very very manageable and small and almost kind of like unnoticeable at times um, where I'd have regrowth um, and then maybe I'd lose enough hair to just be a dime or a quarter size spot on my scalp. Um, so it wasn't until more recently um, as an adult that I started to lose the remainder of the hair that I did have. Oh, wow. 
So how did you um, deal with that as a kid? Were you able to hide it enough to where other kids didn't know about it? Or, you know, did, did your friends know what you were going through? So, I mean, they didn't really know. And honestly, I didn't really know either. Um, I do remember a couple of occasions where I'd confide in a couple of my friends because I loved having people play with my hair as a kid growing up. Like kids just, that's something that you do sometimes. Um, and so uh, I always felt like I had to disclose that I had a hair loss on my head somewhere if somebody was going to play with my hair because I didn't want them finding it and then being concerned or scared by it. It was always, and, and I did the same thing with hairstylists too. I'd always say, Hey, Oh yeah, by the way, I have this little spot on the back of my head. Everything's fine. And, um, it was always an interesting education opportunity. Um, and honestly, I wasn't equipped with it when I was younger to be able to help inform. Um, that was really kind of before the internet had a lot more resources around. And so I didn't even fully understand what it was. Um, at the time too, you know, my pediatrician growing up really wasn't informed either. Most people knew what it was, but they didn't really understand it. Um, and they definitely did not have enough information to give me the language I needed to advocate for myself with the condition. Wow. Yeah, that's, I could definitely see that. Cause I mean, this is a new thing for me. This is something that just de developed for me in, in 2020. And as an adult, I didn't know what alopecia was. I didn't know it was a thing until I started going through it myself. So I, I could definitely see that. It, and even now going through it, I still feel like, like there's not a whole lot of information about it, that it kind of mystifies doctors. Like even the first dermatologist that I went to, she almost just kind of threw her hands in the air. I, I visited her when I still had just a little bit of hair left. I, I had lost like 90% of my hair and she was just kind of mystified by it. She's like, yeah, you definitely have alopecia and, you know, you could do steroids, you know, you could do, well, we'll do a combination of steroid shots, cream, oral steroids, but, you know, there's no guarantees. And so that to me, like showed how still to this day, how unknown and how mysterious this disease is to people. It's I had a similar experience when I, I did see a dermatologist at one point because I had been referred there and complained about the hair loss progressing. And to, I think it was my allergist at the time. And so he had recommended me to go over and see a dermatologist. And when I showed up there, she saw me and she goes, um, oh yeah, you have alopecia. And then um, I said, yeah, I, I know, <laughs> I know that. Um, and then she said, excuse me for a moment. And she went to her office and got a textbook from her med school and then brought it back to the room and opened up to a page on alopecia. And I, um, I was educating her about what I had learned because I had a very specific kind of pattern to the hair loss. It's called alopecia ophiasis. Um, and it's a, it's a fairly rare pattern of the hair loss itself. Um, I believe the last word, um, ophiasis, is the backwards word of snake in Latin. And oh. so <laughs> there's alopecia sisypho, I believe, and then alopecia ophiasis, which is the reverse of the sisypho um, type. 
And what it is, it's the word for snake. And so when my hair loss occurred, um, I didn't, I had the small spots on the kind of the back of my head, but as I lost the hair, it started to snake along the hairline. And so um, the ophiasis is referring to hair loss that snakes along the, the back hairline. And then the alopecia sisypho is the hair loss that snakes across the front hairline. Ah, and so, um, yeah, it was really, I had, you know, I kind of identified with that diagnosis for a while. And then I had a number of really stressful and traumatic things happen over the last few years. And so I wound up, um, I mean, ultimately I wound up losing all of it, including my eyebrows. And so, um, that, you know, that just progressed and was no longer alopecia ophiasis. I was just full on alopecia universalis at this point. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's actually a term that I have not heard before. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's, um, you know, kind of my pattern too, because mine started as a small little spot in the back of my head. And then all of a sudden it was just like around here and then it just like kept going up until uh-huh. it was all gone. <laughs> was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. For a while. Um, I, I really enjoyed, I guess I made lemons out of, or lemonade out of lemons. Um, because the hair loss, because it was on that bottom hairline, it kind of went up this way. So for a long time, I had hair loss on the sides, mm-hmm. but I was able to keep the hair on top. So for about three years, I had a mohawk that <laughs> I would style and I would shave down the sides as close as I could. So that kind of the, the skin and the, the stubble of the hair that would grow um, was kind of zeroed out. And then I had a cool like Viking mohawk that I kept really long. And I'd either like brush it over to the side and look really punk or I would braid it up into like a man bun on the top. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun for a couple of years to be able to play with that because it was a really unique look. And I felt like really empowered by that experience because, you know, you know, you don't expect to lose the hair on your sides of your head, but I didn't have to shave my whole head at that point yet. And I was like, might as well make the best of it. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about trying to, to make the best of a scary situation, you know, because, oh my gosh, what, what, what else can you do? You can either like dwell in it and be scared and depressed about it, or like you did, <laughs> create a mohawk and go on with it. <laughs> I love it. Now, I will say, I regret not getting my eyebrows done sooner. Because oh, I too. feel like my eyebrows are better right now than they've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> I know, I was so right? scared and so intimidating when I got it done. I even remember when I got it done because when you get that tattoo um, or micro shading done, it like it's really dark until it kind of starts to heal. Right. And um, I came home to my boyfriend and I was like, I had a hat on. I was like, don't look at me. Look <laughs> at me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, they're so dark I don't know what to do about this and it was so uncomfortable and then like as they as they healed I was I just was like this like transformation and it just took me getting used to the look and then getting used to the the I guess the darkness of them um because I had had such light eyebrows for so long I got used to seeing kind of really like thin thin light eyebrows um and now I love them. Now I look back at pictures and I'm like, why did I not do that sooner? I <laughs> Regardless know. of your loss, I feel like it's just better eyebrows in general. 
Oh, I know. I know. I, I didn't even know that, you know, microblading or powder brows or anything like that was a thing until I went through this. And for me, the most traumatic loss has been my lashes and my brows. Like, oh, oh my gosh, it sucked because I feel like that is what makes me look more sickly than not having hair. And like, like you, I, I wish that I had done um, my brows sooner because what made me do my brows is last summer we went to New York City and it was stupidly hot when we was up when we were up there and I kept like drawing on my brows and the minute we would go into the subway system they would melt off and I was so self-conscious the whole vacation I'm like my brows are melting it was like as soon as we got back I was like I'm getting my brows done like this is going to be an investment you know it's it's been at, at that point it had been like seven or eight months that I'd been bald. And so I was like, you know what? I I've got to have this done. <laughs> I can't deal with this anymore. And, and like you, I was like shocked when I had them done. I'm like, <laughs> I totally cried. I cried so hard. I was just like, what did I do? I just did a <laughs> big giant caterpillar on my face. But you know, I had the same experience. Um, the first time I started wearing wigs too, you know, because when you get used to having really thin hair or no hair at all to put on a wig, it just feels like so much, you know, and you're just like looking at it going, whoa, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> Yeah, but now I've like totally embraced the wig life and I have just a ridiculous amount of them and I'm That's an affiliate so for a wig company. It's like, I'm an addict now. <laughs> I um. That's one thing I haven't actually, I don't own a wig. Oh, wow. For myself. Yeah. I don't own one. Um, I, I, I don't know why I don't. I think I just never I just felt like I if I was gonna find acceptance with the look I just needed to like go all in and not try to be somebody I wasn't um when I did have my mohawk um I would wear like headscarves and I figured out like a really cool way to tie them so they looked like very boho <laughs> and I would do that to buy time in between the times I would shave the sides of my head with the mohawk so like every few days I'd kind of clean it up and um I'd cut it myself and then um, it would grow out, but I didn't want to shave it all the time because you get razor burn and it can just, it becomes like a whole other thing you have to take care of, like your face, you know? And, uh, and so I would use headscarves for a while. And then once I officially lost all of the hair and I didn't have to manage any of the shaving anymore, I'm just like, forget it. Like I wear a lot of hats though. Yeah. Um, so I do wear a lot of hats. Um, but a lot of that's because too, so I do um, tri uh, triathlons and a lot of like ultra running. And that's been really healing for me personally to be able to have kind of that outlet and channel to take any of like the nervous energy and the anxiety and put it into something really constructive that I feel like gives back to my health. Um, and so that was another thing too, that I felt like wigs were just gonna be in the way of that lifestyle. <laughs> And so oh, yeah. <laughs> more often than I'm like, I'm in athleisure clothes, like some yoga leggings and sports bra and kind of living my, living my day like that. And then going to train at night. Um, and then I just don't have to worry about any of that, you know, just hop in the shower, rinse off, good to go. Eyebrows are done. You know. <laughs> and, 
I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I I run and work out from time to time. I mean, I work out every day, but um, you know, I, I run from time to time, and like it's never once crossed my mind to throw on a wig when I go for a run. Like, why? <laughs> why would I do that? And and a lot of times I see in um alopecia support groups, you know, people ask questions about, you know, how do you handle going to the gym? And, you know, my response is always just like, just throw a baseball camp cap on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I throw a baseball cap on because of the sweating. It's not, oh, yeah. you know, to conceal my look or anything like that. It's yeah. to keep the sweat from pouring into my eyes because as it so turns out, your eyebrows and your lashes serve to function. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So the sweat, yeah, absolutely. Cause like, I think you don't realize when you are bald, what like sweat does right or even just you know there's even lifestyle things like just protecting your head from the sun also so I wear a lot of hats really functionally more than anything because of you said sweat same reason and then just sun protection as well yeah and so um that's usually what I wind up doing but it's so fascinating um all the things that are so like you know, unique to this look and experience that, um, honestly, like even some like bald men will experience the same thing. And that's, you know, when you do sweat, you don't have any hair to catch it either. Like it just pours out and it'll just go everywhere. So you get really, really sweaty on your face. (laughs) And then, um, in the winter, the other thing too, is you get so cold. Yes. Oh it's my so gosh. cold. So I either wear like a beanie or a hat too in the winter, just purely because like the heat just goes right out of your head. I need to have something to keep it in. I just get too chilly otherwise. Oh, I know. I have so many beanies and there's sometimes in the winter that I even find myself like sleeping in a beanie, you know, because my head, like it's the only thing that's not covered and you know, you can't just like pull the covers over your head. I'll do the hoodies and I'll put a hoodie on and I'm like, oh, that's so much better because you don't realize how, how much heat you do lose from your head. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's wild. Well, another weird body quirk that I noticed last summer is when I was swimming, I noticed something that I never experienced before, but so this is something that people may not realize. One of the tiny things that people may not realize with alopecia universalis is things like ear hair. We don't have ear hair. And so like when I was swimming for the first time bald last summer, I found that I kept getting water in my ears so easily and it would drive me crazy. And then I realized holy crap, it's because I don't have ear hair. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> it's just bizarre, the things that you don't think of and don't, I guess you take for granted as a hairy person. Yeah. But there's silver linings too, right? Like yeah. silver, you don't have to shave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's all, it's like the, the most extreme, costly laser hair removal. I know. I mean, it's the same outcome, but we get it for free. Oh, the funny thing is, is I still get laser hair removal ads on Facebook. I'm like, You're, you are targeting the wrong audience. Oh <laughs> you just wasted your money on that. But yeah, my me and my husband joke around about that a lot. We're like, look at all the money we're saving. <laughs> you know, women spend thousands on that. And my legs have never been so smooth ever. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. 
How's your how's your husband responded to the hair loss? How's that been for he's responded um really well he's super super supportive um you know when when I was actually going through the hair loss um I I think it was really hard on him you know because I was really really anxious really depressed and really unsure of things because I didn't have a diagnosis I didn't know what was wrong with me or or what was causing it and he didn't either and and it was terrifying for both of us. We we went through a lot together, but um, he actually helped me shave my head because he just saw how tormented I was by the loss. And one morning he he just saw that I was just like, you know, leaving trails of hair behind me everywhere I would go. And I, I would just like be sitting there watching TV and hair was just like falling. <laughs> and he saw that I was just like so tormented by it. And he finally, you know, one morning he's like, do you want me to help you shave your head? And I was like, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I'd love that. And it was it was a crazy experience and in that adjustment um he he was he's always been really open and honest with me he's always told me that there was an adjustment period we've known each other since middle school and he's like I've known you for so long and you've always had hair and now you don't so it's a bit of an adjustment but he he's been such a huge supporter and he's all about loving me whether I'm bald or if I have wigs on you know he's just he's been so supportive I I just I couldn't imagine doing this without him it it would be a a totally different experience so yeah what about you how have how things been with you and your family and adjusting to alopecia I had both of my sons actually help me shave my head I remember that moment too it was it's just such a poignant moment in my mind, right? When you make that decision, you finally are like, okay, I'm doing it. It's like jumping off of a high dive. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm going for it. Um, but it's terrifying because there's, you really, you can't go back really after that point. Um, not realistically. And, um, and so that, yeah, it was, it was really intense for me to make that decision, but I kind of like you had reached a point where the hair loss was now, um, at that point, it had kind of started as another spot on the back of my head. Um, so my cool little mohawk bun thing couldn't really work anymore. Um, and so as that spread and grew, I was like, you know, I really have to just shave it all now. I can't continue with this this fun look that I've gotten used to now. Um, so I had my boys do that for me summer of 2020. Um, so it was like kind of during COVID quarantine time. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the pool afterwards and it was so liberating. I was like, Hey, I feel like a new woman a little bit. Um, so if anyone is like listening, you know, and you're contemplating on whether or not you should shave your head, I think, you know, well, Cindy and I have, you know, found a lot of confidence from, from that space and, and making that decision and being able to move forward from there. I think it also helped just get over kind of not get over, but process the grief of all of it too. Um, cause one of the most, the hardest parts of alopecia, in my opinion, is this like constant back and forth where it'll like start to grow back and then you'll lose it again and then you'll grow back and lose it. So what happens is you get kind of caught in these like early stages of the grief cycles, um, where you're in this shock and denial and anger phase, and you're never given or afforded the luxury of being able to find that acceptance and peace of mind. 
which is where you would eventually get to in a healthy grief cycle. Um, so I think that's where the mental health piece becomes really, really intense with alopecia in particular is that you're forced into that early stage grief cycles and you're really not given that luxury of being able to get out of there. Um, honestly, I think it's something similar as I witnessed and um, my son is a cancer survivor. And I think it's a similar dynamic that when you have cancer until you're determined to be a survivor, you're in that early stage of those grief cycles as well. And you're kind of just trapped there. Um, and it can be really um, torturous and, and traumatizing. And, um, and shaving my head definitely allowed me to achieve that state of acceptance, um, which is so critical, I think, for living with this condition. Um, the faster you can get to that state of acceptance, just the more empowered you are. And the, 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 it translates to every other spot in your life, you know, how you work, how you parent, how you're a partner in a relationship. Um, it, it's really, it's really amazing. One thing I was going to say, so my, my now boyfriend um, met me already bald. And so I remember making that decision it was shortly after my divorce to shave my head. And I also remember thinking like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think um, when, you know, they meet me in a dating scenario, right? Because um, you have to kind of spark notes version like, no, I don't have cancer. No, I'm not dying. And um, no, it's, it may not grow back. I don't know. Um, and so I think, you know, even in my experience of using some apps like Tinder, for example, I think a lot of people didn't swipe right on me, <laughs> probably. Honestly, just probably for shallow reasons too. Um, but I, I've always had, I always had a really positive experience on the dating apps because I think what happened by way of looking as unique as I do, um, it really helped filter out the people that were shallow. So the mm -hmm. ones that really were looking at the profile from like their heart space, right? And they're saying, okay, what are her interests? You know, what is her, um, what does she do for work? You know, does she have kids? You know, that whole conversation became much more influential about who swiped right or left. And so the ones that I ultimately did get connected with, and then, you know, now my boyfriend too, um, it, it was always like it, the hair loss was never kind of a, a thing. It was just more about like who I was as a person and my spirit that was more beautiful than maybe necessarily how I looked. I love that. That's, that's really inspiring, you know, cause I, I think that's, one of the fears that a lot of um, young people with alopecia have is how am I ever going to date with this condition? And that, that's so inspiring that, that you've kind of used this as a way to weed out the jerks, you know, it, like it, really, you, like can't inadvertently. Me, you can't accept me anyway, you know, <laughs> In, inadvertently, it. It, it definitely weeded them out. Um, now I didn't meet my boyfriend on, my on Tinder um, when I'm dating, but um, I think it was still kind of a similar experience. Like, you know, he, it takes a confident person to also see past somebody's physical appearance. And so I think, you know, the, the beautiful part of having this, you know, as a part of my story and my identity is that um, the people that I've, that I've found partnership with have always been, um, definitely more supportive and open-minded in that sense and see that beauty inside more than what's on the outside. And then they also appreciate that the outside part because they, they see it as you. Because the other thing I've seen with my boyfriend is he, um, he never knew me with hair ever. Right. And so 
oftentimes I'll find myself, you know, showing them a picture. I'm like, look, I used to have hair <laughs> or, you know, Hey, this is what I look like. And I kind of almost sometimes feel like I'm seeking a reaction from him. Like, oh, wow, you were so beautiful, but he doesn't ever give me that reaction. It's just like, oh, that's cool. And <laughs> I'm like, no, but I had hair. Look at it. It's so pretty. He's like, I mean, I guess he's like, I just don't know you like that. And he's like, you just look different and you know who you are now. And I, I love you for who you are now, which is very cool. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my goodness. I love it. So, so where are you at now in your journey with treatment? Are you doing any treatment right now or are you just kind of just letting things run their course and just see what happens? Yeah, I think, um, so more recently, I actually developed maybe some symptoms of an autoimmune condition from a GI standpoint. Um, so I started to not be able to tolerate, tolerate gluten, um, and potentially some other foods or environmental things. Um, so I am working with an acupuncturist right now to kind of help get to the root of what's going on with that. Um, being that it is like an intolerance, it's usually stemmed to something autoimmune. So I think, you know, what, what I've had the conversation with her about is we're kind of treating that root cause as much as we can in terms of the autoimmune issue. Um, alopecia being just a symptom of whatever that root cause is. So I wouldn't say that I'm seeking treatment necessarily for alopecia because really I've just landed on a, sp a space of acceptance with it. Um, and I think I would rather spend my energy in so many other ways day to day than pouring myself into trying to figure out how to fix this experience and especially something I don't have control over. Um, but I'd much rather look at how can I restore health and balance to my body um, so that I'm not, you know, challenged with this autoimmune response that I'm having across the board, regardless of how it's presenting symptomatically. I think that's a, a very healthy place to come at from it. You know, obviously there's drugs out there that we could potentially use. Um, most of them are not FDA, FDA approved for alopecia treatment. So you have to seek treatment for, you know, something else like the JAK inhibitors. You, those are for rheumatoid arthritis for the most part. And so the people who are on JAK inhibitors and experiencing really good results with, they are really treating um, arthritis. And so that, that's kind of a, a tricky spot to come at. And plus you've got all the side effects with the drugs that you know, that you're on, like I, I took, I did a 30 day treatment of oral steroids last summer and it didn't even touch it. And after that, I was like, I could either beat my body up with steroids and it not work, or I can just move on and just try to take care of my body and just live my life. Cause my other option after, um, after the steroids failing was um, methotrexate and I, I read on it and read on it and, you know, they told me the side effects and I was just like, absolutely not. No, I'm not taking a drug like that that will probably not work and destroy the rest of my body. Not having hair, I can deal with. Having damaged organs, that's something I can't come back from. 
So, and the gut issue thing that that's something that I'm also um, kind of working to fix right now. Um, I have not been diagnosed with any sort of gluten intolerance or anything like that, but I do know that gluten is inflammatory and um, I figured that if I can try to do my very best to go gluten-free, it could only help. It may not grow my hair back, but it can only help my, the rest of my health. So. Methotrexate um, actually have experience with that, not personally, but on behalf of my son, that was part of his chemo uh, cocktail treatment plan. Um, he's a brain cancer and stroke survivor. Um, so as a part of his chemotherapy, they included methotrexate and it almost killed him. So I would be very, very wary of, you know, looking at immune suppressants like that. Um, I did have an allergist once tell me that I could get pregnant (laughs) and it would help maybe grow my hair back, (laughs) uh, which was very, very comical. Um, and I did have a little bit of regrowth with my pregnancies, but a lot of that, from what I understand, is mostly because pregnancy inherently suppresses your immune system um, because you are creating another life and there's a foreign body for all intents and purposes in your body. Um, and so it'll suppress your immune system to make sure that your immune system doesn't kick out things that it doesn't want to, right? Wow. Um, and so that's why things like methotrexate would work as well in terms of helping regrow hair because it's you know, really suppressing the immune system's body from doing what it needs to do, which is the whole premise of autoimmune conditions are because you're, you have a super immune system. Your immune system is like so tuned up. It's like, you're jumpy, you know? And it's like, Hey, and they're like, "Ah." (laughs) and and so it's just like overexcited. Um, and that's tough. It's almost like you need to like do EMDR PTSD therapy on your immune system to be able to actually heal. And we're just not there yet with science to be able to provide that kind of therapy and, and, and personalized approach to it, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's so much research that needs to be done into this. And that's part of why I wanted to start this podcast is just to bring more awareness to condition so that hopefully it makes people more willing to be open about what they're going through. Because what I found is that um, when I was diagnosed with this, and I've always been very open about it, I, I always thought after I shaved my head, I thought I can either hide behind wigs and pretend that this isn't happening and wear the same wig every day and hide and not let anybody know about it. Or I can embrace it and educate people about what's going on with me and, um, and in a way have fun with it. If I'm going to wear wigs, I want to wear all the wigs. I don't want to wear just the same style of wig, you know, yeah, every day. Absolutely. I mean, give me all the colors, all the styles. And so that, think- that's part of it. I, I just want to educate people because I feel like the more people know about it, the more we can work together to try to come up with solutions for it. Because um, it's, it's a mystery. <laughs> We're still figuring this out together. Yeah, I'm so encouraged though. I think there's been a real revolutionary interest that's developed 
probably even with more so within the last few years, especially as a result of COVID and people really like reassessing how they're living their lives and their lifestyles. Um, and I'm really encouraged about a lot of the attention more broadly towards autoimmune conditions. Um, and looking at our immune system's response to things like stress, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know my hair loss absolutely was exasperated because my, my, my infant son at the time um, had a brain cancer diagnosis. And that experience with how intense and stressful that is um, absolutely accelerated the hair loss that I had already been experiencing. Um, and really for the most part, I'm, I'm looking back, I think I can pinpoint what stressful events would have influenced the hair loss happening at the rate that it did over certain periods of time. Um, there was always, always some kind of big life event that occurred. Sometimes they weren't even that stressful in a bad way. They might've been stressful in a good way, like a big move or getting engaged. Um, both of those things for me marked points in my life where I had hair loss accelerate about three to six months after that event. Cause it never was really right at that point either. It was almost this like longer term impact of that stress on my body. And, um, but I am encouraged by that too, because I think with mindfulness and um, coping skills that are just getting stronger um, and the more confidence I develop too, as an adult, um, even if the stressful events occur, um, I have more optimism too in my own ability to navigate the stress in a healthy way. Um, and maybe one day that'll mean that my hair is able to grow back because it is able to, to not be so, you know, stressed, um, from those experiences, maybe in the way that I would have reacted in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could but, definitely see that, but I don't want to overthink that either, you know, where I'm still like in this state of acceptance of, you know what, well, if it doesn't ever happen, it doesn't happen, but there's no downside in learning how to navigate stress in life. <laughs> so, you know, that's yeah. easily justified in terms of, you know, how I invest my time and energy. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that's something that, that we could all stand to learn from. I mean, like, I, I feel like there was a point in my life when I was very low stress, when I was meditating a lot, there was a point in my life where I was meditating every single day. And I, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, maybe it's because I stopped meditating you know? <laughs> and I, I'm not meditating as much. Maybe, you know, that's what caused me to get a little more <laughs> stressed, but you know, like you, I try not to overthink it and I try not to beat myself up because you know, I am where I am right now. And I, like you said, you just kind of have to accept where you are and it's hard some days and then other days where you're super confident and walking around like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is me, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there, there are some days when, when it's, it's hard and you just kind of have to roll with it as it's sometimes it's easier said than done, but yeah. <laughs> I found it really helpful to follow other women, like influencers with alopecia in particular, especially on Instagram. There's a couple that are just absolutely stunning, um, both in kind of who they are as a person and also how they look. And I feel like that definitely helped me build confidence in making the decision to shave my head by seeing women that look like that. Um, cause it helped me, you know, look at them for as beautiful as they are and think, okay, I can be, you know, confident with a look that's similar to that. 
um, and I can find confidence in myself um, with that look. Because um, it's hard if you see people with a full head of hair all the time, it's hard to imagine yourself without that. Um, so it was my little life hack was just to go follow people that looked more like what I wanted to envision myself as um, to help normalize that as well for me. And that's been really, really healing, I think, in just terms of opening up Instagram and seeing, you know, a bald woman. And there's so many of them that are on there. And just seeing them normalized in my newsfeed as if it's just like any other person. Um, that's been that's been really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My son jokes with me because he'll he'll look at my TikTok from time to time. And he's like, Mom, your TikTok is just a bunch of people with alopecia. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Would it be any other way? So, okay, I have one more question for you. And then, you know, I'll, I'll kind of wind this down. Um, on that note, um, just out of curiosity, when you see people out in public who are bald, do you ever wonder if they also have alopecia? And have you ever approached anybody in public? I don't think I've ever approached anybody um, in public before. I think sometimes if we saw each other, we probably make eye contact and you could probably know if they do or don't have alopecia. I think like anybody else, right? When you see someone who's bald, there's a variety of things that can cause hair loss at that level. Um, alopecia is not the only one. Obviously cancer is another, if you're on chemotherapy that can also cause the same result. Um, so I, um, I haven't approached anybody, but I have had people come up to me and ask, but um, I will say it's been very exciting and energizing for me to, to have a number of conversations just this week alone from people reaching out, um, asking for just more information. Because I think more often than not, people are actually suffering from the condition in silence and they're, they're early on in their journey. Um, and so I've had a couple people message me, um, a few just wanting to, to get education for themselves or maybe even build confidence that you know, maybe they are able to find that state of acceptance in their future. Um, but being that they're earlier on, they just want to find that connection. Um, and so I've been very energized and inspired by a lot of those folks that have reached out. Um, and I think more people than not have alopecia more than they realize. It's more normal than people realize. We just, you know, because we don't know enough about it, it's often overlooked or, or misdiagnosed or um, ignored. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I'll, you know, every now and then I'll see someone out in public that's bald and I just can't ever like bring myself to, you know, approach them, you know, we'll make eye contact and smile. Um, but that's about the extent of it, because I think we're all kind of afraid to like misdiagnose each other. Like I would feel so bad if I went up to someone who's going through cancer treatment and said, Hey, do you have alopecia? And they'd be like, no, actually. So I'm, I'm always kind of mindful, probably too mindful at times to the point that I'm like paralyzed to not go up to people, talk to them when I could be meeting my new, my new best friend, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I I'm think the same way I've, I've had friends reach out to me after I've come out about having alopecia and they've been like, 
you know, I'm, I'm going through the same thing too. I have a bald spot and I don't know what's going on. It's kind of nice to, to be that person that people can come to, you know, it's comforting to know that you're not alone. I think more than anything, people just want connection, regardless of what they're experiencing, whether it's cancer or alopecia or, or anything it could be. Um, people just want connection. They want to know that they're being seen. Um, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. And um, I think, you know, anytime I have any interaction with anybody, especially if it's an introduction through, through how I look, um, I always try to come in from that heart space of connection and just, you know, validating that human experience that we all have and all the different flavors that we do. Um, and then just seeing that person for who they are and the spirit of who they are. And, um, and I, I've never had a bad interaction by doing that. Yeah, that's, that's a special place right there. That's, that's awesome. Well, is there anything, any final words or anything that you want to share with people before we sign off? You know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything in particular. Um, I do want to give a big shout out to the National Alopecia Arietta Foundation. Uh, they're kind of one of the more leading organizations that's addressing alopecia and doing a lot of work in advocacy for um, treatment options for people that are suffering for, from the condition. Um, treatment and then also just, you know, also advocating for coverage of things like wigs for people because um, the mental health piece is so tied up to that for some, for some folks, you know, that wig is a big deal. Um, and it could mean a, a completely drastic quality of life difference, whether having the wig or not having the wig. Um, and so I really appreciate the work that, that NAF is doing in that, um, and also the way that they seek to build connections between people with the condition, um, and build community around it. So, um, just want to give them a shout out in terms of being a really great organization on the front lines of, of helping solve for this experience for others and supporting them in it. Definitely. Yeah. They're, they're one of the first organizations I found when I was going through this and I'm so thankful that they're doing the work that they're doing, that they're, they're truly doing incredible work. So, yeah. All right. Well, this has been an awesome first interview. I'm, I'm so glad we did this. And I so appreciate anyone who's listening to this. If anyone has any questions about alopecia or needs any support whatsoever, uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast with just saying, just be healthy, be happy, be well, and just know that you're beautiful no matter what you're going through. Thanks for listening to the Healing Through Hair Loss podcast. Be sure to visit healingthroughhairlosspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and sign up for our newsletter to get access to fantastic bonus content.